Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, the future of journalism education. So the Columbia Journalism School announced this week that its new dean will be Jelani Cobb, who's been a professor at the school, a writer for The New Yorker, a writer of books, a producer of documentaries, and my boss. CJR is, is published by the Columbia J School. So Jelani has a lot that is going to be on his plate as he steps into this job, from the role of journalism at a politically fraught time to diversity efforts at the J School and in journalism to the incredible high cost of going to an institution like Columbia. All of this is on his plate, and all of this is the subject of our conversation. Welcome, Jelani. Thank you. So, you know, it strikes me that these, the, the, a job like the dean of the Columbia Journalism School is always, there's always, it's always sort of fraught and it's always, there's always a lot going on. It just seems like this time, though, it's like, I was just ticking in my mind um, the list of things that you're, that are on your plate. I mean, we've got, um, and just big picture issues like how much does J School cost versus mm-hmm. what the job market is? What is happening at the J School in terms of diversity, both among the students mm-hmm. and the faculty? Mm-hmm. What, is, what is the role of, of of journalism in a kind of fraught political time? And how right. to, what is the role, and what, is this, what does a place like Columbia do to address that? And, and then there's this whole ongoing debate about objectivity and what, what, how to, what, do, what do journalists think about the moment that we're in now? So um, how do you prioritize all that? Like, what is your, what's your first mission coming in? Yeah, I mean, I think that the the important thing about a job like this is that you have to be able to, to cook on all burners, you know. Um, but, you know, the most crucial thing, I think, is that, you know, for us internally, you know, is the cost of journalism school. You know, where we're looking at what's happening, the stagnation that's happening in the labor, the American labor market generally, and we're seeing that in the journalism uh, market, you know, particularly, and you know that's going to be something that we have to address. That's something that's at the forefront of my mind, actually, and in the conversations I had, you know, with the upper administration and uh, the committee prior to taking this, that was, you know, the probably the bulk of those conversations. Uh, the other part of it. Can is, I just stop you on yeah. that? Is, mm-hmm. is that a um. Is, that's obviously a practical problem, mm-hmm. but is there a kind of like uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if the word's moral, but you see it framed that way. Like, how mm-hmm. dare a place like Columbia charge this much money? Do, do you understand that the, that the facet that facet of the argument? I do understand it. Um, I also understand, you know, the kind, and I don't want to like be fence sitting here. I'm just kind of looking, saying I, I see it from both of these perspectives. Uh, that you know what when, it, when I talk with my students, I say you know what you're paying for is in part access to the faculty, uh, in part access to you know the facilities, the resources, uh, you know that amazing library on the other side of the campus, um, but the network, and that's another part of it, is being very frank. And Columbia's network, alumni network, is astounding. Uh, and highly placed and, you know, extremely influential, and, and and that's part of it. And so I understand, you know, where that comes from. Uh, at the same time, I think we have to look at some very plain realities, you know, of what's happened. 
you know, especially in the aftermath of the pandemic, which I think has made people question their relationship to work, has questioned, uh, you know, what their priorities are in life, uh, what kind of pressure it places on someone. You know, if we have the uh, the price tag that we have, and you know, then this, quite frankly, I think it also will impact the way that students matriculate through the institution. You know, if people are from the second they get there, thinking about how they will pay uh, when they graduate, uh, and that has an uh, an impact on the decisions people make on. Uh, the other part of it, where you know, I said these things are all inter- interconnected, um, if you're thinking about local journalism and the outlets that can't afford to pay much, the other side of that is can a person afford to take a job that doesn't pay much? Uh, if you're going to be doing work that is really, really essential and really crucial in the places where we need it to be done the most. Uh, and so I think that you know I look at all these things and and say that they're all, uh, you know, part of this big equation that you have to kind of keep an eye on what's happening in all of these pots. So before we go off this, the cost issue, what's to be done about it? I mean, I, I saw that uh, there are have there have been some schools that have been seeking fundraising, you know, from donors mm-hmm. um, to, you know, on the I guess on the most extreme end to make to make school free. Mm-hmm. Um, how, what are your what kind of what kind of options are on the table, do you think? I think everything is on the table, you know, coming in. Uh, I would love to see that. I can't say that that's what we're going to do. Um, but when we're trying to figure out how our approach to this will be, that is going to, going to be one of the options that we consider um, very seriously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the first thing that I want to do is kind of get a lay of the land in terms of what is feasible um, and what's possible uh, from a revenue generation uh, position and some of that is philanthropy and uh, some of that is some other uh, ideas I have that you know you'll hear more about in time. Uh, but w- what can we do that will make that number more reasonable and more affordable uh, for a larger number of people? Do you have a donor in mind? Sure. <laughs> I was I was actually looking at you. Oh yeah, <laughs> I right. Like, I was like, after this interview, hit Kyle up. Yeah. Okay. Say, yeah. Go ahead and do that. We'll see how far that goes. <laughs> you can write the check. You can't necessarily cover it. Yeah. Sure. I can write a check. <laughs> Um, all right, so I interrupted you. That was so, so that's priority one, mm-hmm. and then you were gonna you 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 started talking about the next level of priority. What were you gonna say? Well, yeah, I mean, and I don't want to say like the kind of next level of it, but there are two things. You know, one is the diversification of the institution, the diversification of the field. Those two things are related, uh, and you know, one of the things that I think you know just immediately is that I want to strengthen our relationship. Uh, with the his, HBCU system, uh, which I'm, you know, a product of, a graduate mm-hmm. of Howard University, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I want to kind of cement some of those relationships to say, uh, if you are thinking about graduate school, if you are thinking about journalism, you know, we want uh, to be number one on your list, uh, and so that will likely involve kind of physically going to places and building up relationships, uh, and having you know Columbia's identity in our, you know reputation and standing be at the forefront of you know students' minds as they're thinking about what they want to do next. Uh, the other part of it that you brought up, which I think is really important, is that question, which we had to answer on the fly, and you and I have talked about this, we never had a kind of central idea of how we cover 
the kinds of astounding, atypical, and in some instances even jaw-dropping developments that we've seen in the United States socially and politically in the last five to seven years. Uh, And we need to actually seriously think about not only what the best practices are for covering uh, authoritarian politics, but what we need to be educating students about uh, in terms of how they approach this subject matter. And in that regard, there are lots of examples that we can find that just looking abroad, you know, people who have done this kind of work in circumstances that are uh, even more hostile and even more unfavorable. You know, I think the uh, Nobel Prize winners, you know, uh, Maria Ressa and the staff of uh, Novia Gazeta uh, illustrate that, you know, just the importance of a free press in operating in unfree contexts. Uh, and uh, that's something that we as American journalists need to really, really be more cognizant of. I thought Trevor Noah had a great comment mm-hmm. on that, on the it was his closing remarks at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. And he was basically, he he, he brought in the, the Russian journalists who had been forced to leave. And, mm-hmm. and, and basically his message to the American press sitting there was like, you do what they would do if they had the opportunity in this mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was getting at the point that we just, we forget how fragile a lot of this stuff is. Mm-hmm. Um, so are you talking about um, the the school as an institution having a stronger voice on on these issues as a as a sort of collective. Sure, but I also think that we um, have the opportunity to to moderate a bigger conversation, uh, and I don't think that. As a matter of fact, I think just the opposite. It would be more effective for that conversation to have many partners, mm-hmm. uh, and for Columbia Journalism School to be one. You know, we have. Uh, this amazing perch in this city, which is the media capital of the world. And if there's a conversation that should be had on this, uh, Columbia University is as good a place as any Mm -hmm. I can think of. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that we'll need to have buy-in from a lot of different institutions, a lot of different types of institutions Mm -hmm. about uh, what we're really kind of what we're doing and how we should be doing it. Can I go back just briefly on this, um, uh, on what you were saying about going, for instance, to HBCUs and sort of mm-hmm. putting out the message, making sure that people understand that that um, that Columbia should be something that they should consider. Mm-hmm. Um, is it your sense that this place is starting from a um, from, with a sort of negative balance mm-hmm. in terms of their perceptions of what the experience will be here, especially for say a a journalist of color, mm-hmm. or or is it just sort of a, a matter of like making sure it's on their radar? Do is there work to do to just get them to eliminate negative mm-hmm. perceptions? That has not been my experience in terms of the pool. Mm-hmm. Now I have I've been here for five years. Mm-hmm. I have had conversations with students, very frank conversations with students of color. Not only uh, not all of them African American and. Uh, about you know the difficulties of the the institution and sometimes feeling alienated and so on, uh, that hasn't been everyone. Everyone you know there have been people who felt the opposite, mm. but you don't want anyone you know mm. to have those kind of sentiments. Mm. And there's been a consistent theme of conversations like that. And so, 
yeah, I want to make sure that we are both externally, you know, presenting ourselves in such a way that people are going like, yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, this is something that we should do or something I should be thinking about. Um, and internally making sure that everyone feels like a stakeholder uh, and that everyone feels like they are uh, equally invested and that this institution is here for, you know, the next generation of journalists, whoever they are and however they look. Mm. How hard was um, this decision to go for this job? <laughs> I mean, you have a lot of other great <laughs> gigs. Um so when, I think when the first possibility of it came up, I did a spit take, um, and you know because it wasn't something I thought about. You know, quite frankly, I, I didn't uh, have like a kind of personal ambition that said dean of Columbia Journalism School, um, but I did have ideas, and you know I did have you know a very deep investment in this institution. Uh, and you know the belief that it is you know a really special place, and so I had to think about it. And I know it sounds like ridiculous, like like every politician says this, like oh I had to sit down and talk with my family and decide what to do. Do I really want to be president or <laughs> right, not? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I actually had to have those conversations and then think about what I could do, you know, if I were to get the position. And what would be important to me, and you know the things that you list were, you know, if I was making my top four, or top five things, you would have touched on all of them, you know, and uh, that made me decide that, you know, if you have ideas and you think that you can actually make a difference, you should do it. Are you worried about what you'll have to give up? For example, are you going to have the time because you've done, you know, recently you've done documentaries, you've mm -hmm. done books, you've mm -hmm. done writing for The New Yorker, mm -hmm. you run a um, center here. Mm -hmm. um, what is, what, what's going to have to give, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, in kind of initial conversations about that, there's a, a funny thing, which is that the two previous deans, as you know, were staff writers at The New Yorker. And so... <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the job, basically. It's part of the job, um, and so people have been talking about diversifying, you know, leadership in one uh -huh. way and, and replicating it in, in another. Uh -huh. um, but you know, I think that I will likely not be doing uh, any more documentaries in the near mm -hmm. frame. You know, I have one that I'm kind of in the midst of, mm -hmm. and we're wrapping that up. And I don't foresee kind of undertaking another one. Um, I was kind of traveling around the country a lot, you know, doing a lot of, you know, speeches and kind of talking to different groups and those kinds of things. And I probably won't be doing, you know, nearly as much of that. Uh, and the other thing is that I've been a fairly regular presence on television, you know, particularly on MSNBC. And I don't think that, you know, I'll be uh, as visible in that space either. Uh, I feel like in a position like this, you know, the dean carries a particular amount of weight that when you speak, you will almost assuredly be assumed to be speaking for an institution mm -hmm. as opposed to speaking uh, as an individual, and that you have to um, kind of carefully decide what you weigh in on, mm -hmm. um, that in many instances it's important to be above the fray, uh, so that sometimes when you get into the fray, it actually carries you know a degree of weight. Uh, and so, you know, those are all things that I think um, are likely. And then there are other things that I haven't 
figured out yet that we'll probably have to give because uh, I haven't really you know been in this role very long. So, what about social media? You've got a uh, you're active on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You've got a pretty you're pretty forceful on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I have talked about like the, you know whatever stories that come up, and you know you take a pretty strong stance pretty quickly on some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, is that following this same sort of MSNBC category, or, or do you hope to keep that up? Mm, I mean, I think you, you weigh in where it's important and where you can make a difference. Okay. And I- irrespective of this position, uh, I have been reevaluating my relationship you know, with social media for a minute. And I've been thinking that I kind of wanted to be more selective you know, about it. Because initially, you know, when you know all your followers, <laughs> you know, it's almost like a group text and, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of jump in on everything and, you know, kind of anywhere and, you know, that's the kind of familiarity of it. But now, you know, that's well beyond, you know, the scope of the people I interact with, mm-hmm. you know, on social media. Uh, and so, yeah, I think there'll be less of that. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I kind of want to see which direction uh, some of these platforms go in, you know, mm-hmm. where looking at the unfolding, you know, Twitter, you know, developments and and leadership changes and you know, I just want to see what happens in that space as well. So you're coming in um in the months before the midterm elections and which will transition us directly to mm-hmm. the presidential elections and I've been telling I have this theory that um and it's something that we've been thinking about sort of reorienting ourselves around because I think I think I think mm-hmm that the press and how the press operates is going to be even more central in the conversation this time than in the last two elections. And I think it's probably going to be a more dangerous mm-hmm. time for the press mm-hmm. this time than in the last. And I think newsrooms themselves are going to be, um, you know, at battle internally. Sure. Um, is that, I, I assume from your earlier comments and from even from our conversations that that is something that th- the J school is going to be um, very much part of that conversation, right? I mean, how, how do we? How does how does a, how does a place like this go about engaging in that? Yeah, I mean, I think there uh, on a couple of levels. You know, one is that you know how do we cover politics and how are we teaching our students to cover politics? Uh, you know, Margaret Sullivan has said, and I think that she's right that we really don't do a very good job of covering the functions of government. Uh, we do a great job of covering you know, the kind of transitions and the personalities that are in government, uh, but what actually is at stake and kind of what things mean and you know, what the developments are, uh, you know, that's a, a generally speaking uh, a less well-covered terrain. And so I think that we, you know, from our standpoint, want to make sure that our students are out there able to do the nuanced, layered kind of conversations uh, in whatever format that is about what is on the, uh, what is at stake, what's on the table, uh, you know, what are the policy positions, what are the implications of these things. You know, we're just coming out of this pandemic where we see very clearly, you know, that policy matters. Uh, or we're, we've seen, given the Supreme Court's uh, relationship to Roe v. Wade and the upheaval that that has generated in American society, uh, there are still people who are shocked, kind of wondering how we could get to a point where this was, 
a reality um, or a potential reality. And so I think that we need to have, uh, from our standpoint, a kind of approach to coverage that's less contingent on, on the midterms um, and that the midterms will be part of a bigger, uh, richer, broader set of coverage uh, coverages, but not necessarily, uh, you know, kind of... Uh, biennial holiday <laughs> or event where we kind of convene and say, oh, this is the big thing that we have to be be uh, invested in. Mm-hmm. Well, it was great to talk to you. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, you every time when I've talked to you on the phone, your oldest daughter has got on the line mm-hmm. to say hello. Um, that's, that's how, how is she, right. what, is her, what has been her verdict on this move of yours? Have you talked to her about it? What has she said? Actually, yeah, and, and she did something very sweet, which is that uh, she was she happened to be standing next to me uh, when the call came in, and I was offered the position from Lee Bollinger. From Lee Bollinger, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, I was talking, and I was kind of explaining to her what happened, uh, what was happening, and she in school when she does something good, you know, you, you get a sticker. That's what like what happens, and so she <laughs> ran into her room. And came back with, you know, a bunch of stickers and was like, you can have a sticker. You can pick whatever sticker you want. That is so sweet. And, yeah, it was. And so um, I don't know why I was just kind of like reaching for whatever. I was still on the phone. I was just kind of reaching for whatever. I took a pig. <laughs> and so <laughs> I now have a sticker of a pig on my cell phone. Uh-huh. Um, and so that if I look at my cell phone, it, it reminds me of you know, a very sweet gesture from her. Well, I look forward to working with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Likewise. So you can follow all of CJR's other news at CJR.org through our daily email newsletter, The Media Today, and on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening. See you next time. 